from this period, the period of the Exodus, and so we're turning to page uh, 68 in the Church Bible, Exodus chapter 12, and we'll read part of Exodus 13, and then turning in the second half of the Bible to the New Testament, Uh, to see how Paul, uh, looking back to these events, could see the Christ um, amidst the people of Israel uh, and dealing with them and redeeming them. So the period of the Exodus, the period of the going out from Egypt, led by the Lord himself, we read now in verse 1. Of chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, and they're the leaders um, in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family. One for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males, without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the people of the congregation of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belts, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So why is it called Passover? Well, it's explained in the next verse. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. The Lord is going to judge the Egyptians because they won't let his people go. And he's going to save his people on the basis of the blood that has been shed. Okay, let's read then from verse 31. During the night, this is after they have put the blood on their doorposts, uh, the Israelites, God's people, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise they said, we will all die. See already in between the part I didn't read, their firstborn have died. They're afraid now that all of them will die, the Egyptians. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed, 
and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, not counting the women and children. Many other people, that's Egyptians, went up with them, as well as large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough they had brought from Egypt, they baked cakes of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast, because they had been driven out of Egypt, and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. By the length of time that the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. In other words, 430 years earlier, they had come down into Egypt. And now they're leaving. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honour the Lord for the generation to come. And so every year they would have the Passover. Let's read now from Exodus 13. The Lord uh, leads them out of Egypt. And verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt, armed for battle. Then go down to verse 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them, in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, left its place in front of the people. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul, writing now to this church in Corinth, wants to teach them a lesson. And wants to help them to see that they mustn't turn back from the Christ that they have professed. And he dips into this period of history. The exodus and the time of going from Egypt back up to Canaan the era that we're thinking about tonight. And here's what Paul says. Chapter 10, it's page 1151. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. That's the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So Christ was accompanying the Israelites back at the Exodus. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as, was, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan reverie. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples, and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. 
Here's the application. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation, uh, it could be also no trial has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tried beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted or tried, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Amen. Now let's bow our heads and let us pray together. Almighty God, in the days of Abraham, that man of God, that man of faith, that man who looked to Jesus Christ to save him from his sins, in his day you told him that his descendants, his family, would go down to Egypt and they would spend 430 years there. And now tonight we have read of their going up out of Egypt to the exact day that you had said it would happen. We thank you that you are the Lord God who is always faithful to your word. Not a single promise that you make to your people will fall to the ground. Not a single warning of judgment that you bring and give to the unsaved and the ungodly will fall to the ground. Every word that you speak and have spoken will come to pass. Help us, Lord God, then to tremble at your word. Help us, Lord God, never to cast it aside and to say, that's not true. That won't happen. Lord, help us to hear you speak always through the Scriptures. And help us to believe the Scriptures. And to believe in the Christ whom the Scriptures continually set before us. Whether we are reading in the Old Testament or reading in the New Testament, he is the Saviour of your people. Help us tonight to know that he is the only one who can save us from our sins. He's the only one that we are to follow. The only one whom we are to obey. And help us not to be like the people that we've read of this evening. Who experienced this wonderful deliverance by the Lord Jesus out of Egypt. But who then, as he led them through difficult experiences and times and places, began to grumble and to complain and to rebel and indeed to turn back from him. And so they were judged and so uh, they were rebuked and so uh, they lost out on part of the blessing that was promised. Lord God, we pray that you would help us to live by faith in Jesus, the Son of God, each day. Help us now as we soon come to think about the period of the Exodus and help us to learn from it. Help us to see how it is still relevant to us today. And we pray that we would live by faith and that we would die in faith. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're singing before we come to As you have come into church this evening uh, You should have received a handout If you haven't received a handout Then stick up your hand in the air And uh, Ronnie will make sure that you get one um, It's important uh, to have your handout before you uh, because in these studies where we're seeking to get to grips with the Bible, um, there are, we're having to, to move quickly and sometimes over a lot of territory. Um, 
This is a series that we are doing uh, throughout uh, these months and it will stretch through to the autumn of next year. And we're wanting to get to grips with the Bible so that you can open your Bible at any point in the Bible, any place, and you can immediately say this book or that book fits into a certain period and you understand what God is doing at that time and how at that time Jesus was being pointed forward to. And so that you can read that book today and understand the Old Testament story or the New Testament passage and see how Jesus Christ is in all the scriptures. Jesus Christ is in all the scriptures. From Genesis 1 verse 1 to Revelation, the last chapter and the last verse. Now we have had one study already covering the book of Genesis and we call that the era of beginnings. The beginning of the world. The beginning of sin. The beginning of marriage. And we ended the last time with the beginning of God's people. Where God was going to work through one family, one people. And from that family and that people, the Christ, whom we call Jesus, would come. Now that family was known as the family of Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. And Jacob and his twelve sons went down into Egypt because of a famine that was in Canaan, the land that they had been living in. And there were 75 of them uh, in total, a very small group. And the Lord took them down into Egypt in order to preserve them alive. And for the next 430 years, the family of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, the people of God, would live there. They were living in the northeastern corner of Egypt, a part that was called Goshen. And so tonight, we are picking up the story and now we're coming to the period when the Lord is going to bring them back up from Egypt into Canaan, where Abraham, Isaac and Jacob had first lived. And this period is called the period of the Exodus, because Exodus means departure or going out. So it's the period of going out from Egypt and going up to Canaan again, which was the place where the Lord wanted his people to live. And this people are now becoming known as Israel. Okay, Jacob's family was renamed Israel and the Israelites. And we are now, as we begin the story in Exodus chapter 1, we are about 350 years into the stay in Egypt. Okay? There's about another 80 years to run before Moses will actually lead them out. Because you remember, Moses was 80 years of age when he led them out. Now, if you turn to your sheet at this stage so that you know where we're going uh, tonight. Down the left-hand side, we'll see that there are five main themes from this period of the Exodus. Redemption, rule, rebellion, rebuke or reproof, and reinstatement. If you look at the second column, you'll see the dates. Uh, we're beginning uh, as they are going out. Um, the, the moment when they're taken out of Egypt, the date is 1449 before Christ. If you go down to the very bottom of the page, you'll see that uh, we're covering a period of 40 years tonight, 1409. The location, as I've said already, is Egypt, and they're going back up into Canaan. They don't quite make it to Canaan tonight, and God brings them up from Egypt, 
and they cross this Red Sea here, and then they go down into what we call Sinai Peninsula. Today it's called Saudi Arabia. They spend time at a mountain called Sinai. Then they're taken up uh, north, and they could enter into Canaan from its southern boundary. But we'll see the people rebel. And so God takes them back down again into the wilderness. And then eventually up round the east side. And the next time in a month's time we'll see them entering into Canaan. So that's, uh, and this east side is called the plains of Moab. So we're going from Egypt down here, Goshen, northeastern corner. Across the Red Sea, down into Saudi Arabia, up again to Kadesh, wandering around then down in the southern part, and eventually going up the eastern side to the plains of Moab. And Moab was a nation. And then you have got uh, the River Jordan uh, to cross, and we'll come to that the next time. The key figures of this stage are important as well. So we're looking now at column four. Moses, he's as it were the political leader if you want to put it like that. Aaron is the religious leader uh, in terms of the high priest. Moses is also of course a man of God. And so these are the two key men. But then towards the end of the period, uh, Aaron dies and he's replaced by Eliezer. He's the spiritual leader. Moses will die and he's replaced by Joshua. So there's the key figures in your column. Now, where do we get all of this from? Well, that's where we come to the next column, which is history. History is the story of the period. And Exodus, that we read from tonight, is where the story starts. Exodus, chapters 1 to 18, 19 to 40. That's all about their movement out of Egypt and to this place called Mount Sinai. Now, while they're at Mount Sinai, they also get various instructions about how to worship. And that's why in the right-hand column you've got Leviticus. It doesn't tell you anything more, more about the development of the story or them getting any closer to Canaan, but it tells you about regulations and rules and additional commands about how they were to worship. At the end of Exodus, the story's taken up in terms of the development of the plot and them getting closer in the book of Numbers. Uh, again, chapters 1 to 9 uh, don't move on the story, but chapter 10 they move from Sinai and they come to this place called Kadesh, where they are just looking into the land. Chapters 15 to 25 is where they've gone back down again because they rebelled and they're wandering about in. Uh, Saudi Arabia for a period of 40 years and then chapters 26 to 36 they're back they're up now on the east side in the plains of Moab okay that's the history now while they're up in the plains of Moab there's another major um, um, what's the word I'm looking for um, segment of teaching and that's where we get the book of Deuteronomy okay so by the end of our study tonight we'll have covered Exodus and Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And when you open your Bible tomorrow, or in a year's time, or ten years' time, you'll hopefully remember all of these books tie into the period of the going up from Egypt to the very point where they're about to enter the land of Canaan. Okay, are you with me? Right. And in the midst of all of this, you go now to, there's no poetry, there's no books of poetry for this period, and there are no books of prophecy. There are no prophets. Moses is the prophet. So that, that's why those two columns are blank. As we go on through later periods, where there'll be poetry will come in and there'll be prophecy coming in, but not tonight. The final column is then the anticipations of Jesus. I want you to grasp tonight. And I can't take you through these references. You're going to have to look them up next week, next month, um, uh, over the next month, and see how at key points 
they were having very clear revelations of the Christ who came down among them in various ways even before he was a man. And the New Testament confirms that. And if you look at these New Testament references, you'll see how Jesus and Peter and Paul and other of the apostles uh, who served under Christ um, all saw the Christ in this era of the Exodus. Right, that's the introduction. Right, okay. Uh, Let's come now to look at the themes. We're going to look, first of all, at the theme of redemption. When you think about the era of the Exodus, what is it all about? It's about the Lord God redeeming his people, and it's interesting how in God's providence, that's what we're thinking about this morning, redemption in Christ. And here now, God is going to redeem in Christ his people out of Egypt, where now they are in slavery and they are in bondage. By the time Moses is now a man of 80 years of age, and Moses has been prepared by God in a very careful way. He was one of those boys that should have died, because the Pharaoh, at the time of Moses' birth, 80 years earlier, he had instructed that all the boys were to be killed because the God's people, the Israelites, they were getting too numerous. There were too many of them. But Moses' mother and father, being a man and a woman of faith, they kept him in the home for as long as they could and then they put him in a basket and put him out on the river Nile. And they believed that God would preserve their little baby. And he did. Because Pharaoh's daughter came and found him. And her heart went out to him. And she took him back home and she said, Father, can I have this child and bring him up? And so here was the future leader of God's people being brought up in the palace in Egypt. The very palace that he would stand in 80 years later and he would say, let God's people go. How wonderful are the ways of God when it comes to saving people. And how he works in ways that are far beyond anything that we can imagine or expect. And so Moses is prepared to lead them and God is now called Moses and Christ appears to him in a burning bush and he says I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell Pharaoh that I am going to redeem my people is the Lord speaking and you're to let them go and of course the story in Exodus 1 to 18 chapters 1 to 18 is that Pharaoh doesn't want to let them go because they're very useful to him They're his workers and they're building his cities and they're building his empire and he's made them slaves and their life is an absolute misery because they've been forced to work so hard. But every time Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let them go. And when people fly in the face of God and oppose his work of salvation in other people's lives, Often judgment comes. And so God sent ten plagues. One after another. Over a period of time. To the point that the last plague was the most severe. And uh, it was the death of the son of Pharaoh. And of every Egyptian eldest son. And animal. That belonged to the Egyptians. That didn't have blood on the door of their houses. And God's people all had blood on their doors. And that was pointing forward to the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Christ that would be shed. And so eventually they are redeemed. They're brought out through the sh- by the Lord God through the shedding of the blood of the Lamb. Does that not sound very New Testament? God redeems us 
through the shedding of the blood of the lamb, the lamb not being a four-legged creature, animal, but the lamb being the Christ who has come down 2,000 years ago at Bethlehem as Jesus, the lamb on the cross at Calvary. Redemption. And as you read Exodus 1 to 18, you're to see and understand that this is the God of salvation who is saving a people in Christ. And so it's very relevant to you and to me to read it today. Well, when the Lord has brought his people um, out of Egypt and he has to bring them across this major sea and it's a wonderful incident of how he does that. He causes the waters to part so that his people can pass across some dry land and then the Egyptians, they come wanting to, to bring the Lord's people back into bondage and God causes the waters of the river just to overwhelm them and they're swept away in judgment. So when the Lord has brought them out across, he saved them. That's what it is. They're a saved people. And he takes them now down to this mountain and we're moving on now to area number two to the rule. The Lord's rule. We've talked about the Lord's redemption and now the Lord rules. Because when we are saved, when the Lord saves people, when he redeems people, it isn't so that you can go and I can go and these people can go and live whatever way we like. To be redeemed by God in the Christ means that our whole lives then are given up in love and obedience to this God in the Christ because he saved us from our sin and our slavery. And that's what this whole second section is about. Chapters 19 to 40 in Exodus. The Lord brings them to Sinai and there at Sinai and this is just three months after they've left Egypt there the Lord gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And here's how he introduces the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God. The Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of your bondage. Out of your slavery. I have saved you. And then he says, this is how you will live. And so they're given the Ten Commandments. And when we come to the New Testament, we're told again and again and again, when God saves a man, a woman, a boy or girl, in the Christ, then how are we to live? Well, Christ himself said, if you love me, You'll do what? Keep my commandments. Your life, my life, is to be marked then from that point on by obedience. We don't do our own thing. We don't make our own choices. We don't live life as if this Lord and this God didn't matter. No, we say, Lord Jesus Help me to live my life now as you tell me to in your word. And so at Sinai they're given what was called the moral law. The moral law, the Ten Commandments. But as you read 19 to 40 in Exodus, you'll come across another um, type of law that's called ceremonial law and this is how the people are to worship okay here's the ceremonies that they have in worship and you'll come across a third kind of law and it is called judicial you'll not find the word ceremonial you'll not find the word judicial but now it means how um, the Lord here are rules for the state Rules for the nation. 
And so, you've got these aspects of the law that come at Sinai. Because those whom God redeems in Christ will be ruled by the Christ, will be obedient to the Christ. And that's where Leviticus, as I mentioned earlier, comes in as well. Now, here's the question. Can you and I, even as safe people, keep the moral law? Do you keep the Ten Commandments perfectly? Thought, word and deed? No, we don't. But you see, they are kept, we're told, in the New Testament by the man Jesus. And this judicial, sorry, this ceremonial law and all the sacrifices and all the ceremonies and all the rituals that are set out. Who keeps them? Again, it is Jesus in his earthly life fulfills all those ceremonies and all those sacrifices. And the judicial law, the law for the nation, why is it that today we do not stone the adulterer? Is it because we're cards? No, it isn't. It's because all of that judicial law as well and the judgment that came under it, it has been taken by Jesus, who is the Christ. And so that today um, we're not put to death um, and we're not punished according to the laws of the Old Testament because the Christ was punished for every breach of the law. So that those we who trust in him, even though we fail and we break the moral law, and we should come under its judgment, we are forgiven when we repent of that, because the Christ has taken the penalty. Redemption, rule, that brings us then thirdly to rebellion. Because this is the next thing that comes out. So the Lord has brought them, redeemed them out of Egypt, taken them across the Red Sea and down into Saudi Arabia, Mount Sinai. They spend a year there and they've now been given all that they need to live as the Lord's people. So the Lord says, now it's time for us to go to the land. I want to take you now, one year after I brought you out, I want to take you back into the land that, that uh, Jacob left 430 years earlier. And so, Numbers chapters 1 to 9, we'll read about the people getting ready. If you're going to move this number of people, remember this two and a half to three million people here, you're not going to snap your fingers. You know how long it takes to get out a wife, you men, and a couple of children. Uh, and uh, it cuts the other way as well, that the men are not always the quickest to get out um, and will not cite any examples. Um, and the point is, you can't just get that number of people together in the snap of the, uh, the click of your fingers. And so... There are months of preparation, Numbers chapter 1 to 9, two months of preparation to get these people ready to move from Sinai right up to Kadesh, where in the southern gate they're going to enter into Canaan. But you read chapters 10 to 14 of Numbers, and as this journey begins, they're going through a wilderness, a desert. There's not much water. Their bread now that they've brought out of Egypt, well, it's well and truly done. So where are we going to get water? Where are we going to get bread? 
And then there's this memory, oh, we had lovely food in Egypt. Oh, what it would be to have a nice bit of meat again. And so the people began begin to grumble. Can the Lord give us water for this journey? Can the Lord give us bread during this journey? Can the Lord give us meat during this journey? And they grumble against the Lord one, th- one thing after another. And the final and the most serious act of their grumbling and rebellion was when they were looking into the land of Canaan and twelve spies, that's why the twelve spies come in here. Moses had sent them, you cross over ahead of us. You have a look around and tell us the things we need to look out for. The kind of dangers we're going to face. The blessings we're going to enjoy. And so the twelve went and did this. And they spent 40 days. They went into the land of Canaan, up and down, and north, south, east and west. And they came back with a report. And you know what ten of the twelve said? We can't do it. It's not possible. Who have they forgotten about? They've forgotten about the Lord who has saved them. The Lord who has given them his commandments at Sinai. And they're now thinking only of their strength or more importantly, their weakness. And so the ten say it's not possible. But two of the twelve, Joshua and Caleb, says, oh, it is possible. We can do it. Not in ourselves. But the Lord who saved us in Egypt and brought us across the Red Sea And gave us commandments at Sinai. And has given us food and drink and bread and meat. While we've made this journey up to Kadesh. He is greater than all the giants in the land of Canaan. And he can give us the land. So the people have a choice to make now. Who are they going to obey? Who are they going to listen to? Are they going to listen to the ten spies who say it's not possible? And who have no thought of the Lord and what they can do if they look to the Lord? Are they going to listen to Joshua and Caleb who say it is completely possible if we look to the Lord who has saved us and spoken to us and brought us thus far? And the tragedy is the people rebelled. They stood, they all literally, as it were, went and stood around the ten. And Joshua and Caleb are left standing over here. And indeed the whole crowd says they were going to stone Joshua and Caleb and put them to death. And the Lord said, Enough rebellion. I've heard you complain the whole time since I brought you and saved you out of Egypt and the whole time that I brought you from Sinai. Enough is enough. And so the Lord brought a rebuke on them. And this is where we come now to to point four. A rebuke. And he says, these spies, they had 40 days looking around the land of Canaan. Well, here is the rebuke. Here is the judgment that all of you people who have gathered around these ten spies. And remember, we're talking here about 600,000 men and their wives and their children and only Moses and Joshua and Caleb on the other side. And he says, one year of judgment for every day that was spent exploring the land of Canaan. Forty days. Forty years. 
And during that 40 years, this whole mass of people would die. Would die for their rebellion against the Lord. And they would go back down. So now they, they're taken back down from Kaddish. No, they have to turn they, they have to turn from looking into the land and they're right back down in this wilderness. And there are many, many difficult experiences that they pass through. There's other instances of rebellion. But the point is that all the people that rebelled died. Somebody has described it as the long funeral march. The long funeral march. And the only reason that it took 40 years to enter the land of Canaan was the rebellion of this generation. Now we read 1 Corinthians 10 and the Apostle Paul he's writing to Christians in the New Testament and he's saying the Lord God has saved you in the Christ he has given you commandments by which you show your love for him commandments that you're to obey and he says if you rebel against him and if you say in your life my way, Lord, not your way. My way, not your way, Lord. Do you know what will happen? Judgment. Judgment. We'll lose all the blessing that is promised and that lies before so close to it. These people were just a matter of days from it. And they lose it. Read First Corinthians chapter 10 again. In the light of that. Somebody has put it like this. In Numbers we get a very stern warning from Jesus. Having, that having wonderful spiritual privileges. About having wonderful spiritual privileges but remaining hardened in sin and in grumbling and unbelief. That's what Numbers and 1 Corinthians put side by side teach us. But God will still have a redeemed people. And so while this whole generation dies in the wilderness, and they don't get the promise of the land because of their rebellion. There's a new generation that grows up. A new generation. And that brings us now, fifthly, to reinstatement. And we've now covered the 40 years. And the Lord, all that generation, over 21 years of age that had rebelled, is now dead. And the Lord brings them again now from Saudi Arabia right up into the plains of ancient Moab. And now they're looking into the land of Canaan from the eastern side. Across the river Jordan. And this new generation is very conscious of how their fathers and their mothers, and their grandfathers, um, lost everything through the rebellion. And so, as they stand there in the land, uh, on the plains of Moab, Moses is about to die as well. Because he is not going to enter Canaan. Not that he had the unbelief of the people, but there was an instant in his life that the Lord said, you're not going to experience Canaan. But it wasn't the same kind of rebellion as the others. I can't develop that anymore tonight. But Moses is now about to die, and he preaches 
one final sermon. And that's the book of Deuteronomy. It's literally a sermon. A very, very long sermon. And this is his final act as leader. And in his sermon, he emphasizes again their privilege. You're a safe people. Saved by the Lord. And then he emphasizes their responsibility. A safe people are to be an obedient people. And so he tells them of how when they go into this land of Canaan, Deuteronomy is all about when you go into the land of Canaan, here's how you're to live out these Ten Commandments. You remember the Ten Commandments your father's got at Sinai? Here's how you're to live them out. And all the challenges of that new place and for you a new generation. And you see again, uh, it's bringing through that message of the New Testament that we who are saved in Christ, we're to be an obedient people. At the very end of the book, Moses and the people renew their covenant with the Lord. And they basically say, yes, we will serve the Lord. He has saved us. He calls us to obey him. He's promised us this land. And we are going to trust him. And enter into the blessing. No matter what obstacles we face on the way. And so they're reinstated. Or the purpose of God is reinstated for them. That's the era of the Exodus. And I trust that you're going away tonight saying, when I read these books, I've got to listen to Christ speaking to me through these scriptures. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Speaking to me of his work of salvation for me. And how I am to respond to him with faith and love, no matter how hard the journey is. No matter what obstacles there are. By faith in the Lord, by obedience to the Lord, I can overcome them. Lord Jesus your way, not my way. Amen.